Hello and welcome to SMPD, I guess episode one, because we did a zero. Yeah. So episode one, which is going to be based around Batman, the animated series. Yeah, now before we get started, um, I'll just preface it with this. Hit pause, go make yourself a cup of coffee and come back. This is going to take a while. I mean, we'll, we'll try and be, well, no, I guess we can't try and be brief. This is Batman, so I'm going to talk quite a bit about yeah, Batman. That, that's what I mean. Yeah, uh, but then I guess you wouldn't be listening to this if you weren't interested. So, yeah, okay, go and, go and make a cup of coffee or whatever. And uh, we, I mean, we have a bag of donuts. We're, we're entrenched. Yeah, we're, we're here for the duration. Yeah, because, I mean, when, you, when you're talking about a show about somebody training their body to the absolute peak of physical perfection, of course, you need caffeine and donuts in order to do so. Yeah, we're practically carbs. Yeah, totally. Uh, anyway, we're a minute and a half in and we're already talking about donuts rather than Batman. Okay, so um, just some background on the show first, I guess, then. Yeah, um, so Batman the Animated Series um, ran from September, to, uh, September 1992 to September 1995. There were 85 episodes in total, uh, but we'll come on to the structure of that in a minute because the way they did it was slightly ingenious. Um, but developed by Bruce Tim and Eric... Radomski, uh, pronounced that right, apologies if I didn't, um, and developed for uh, Warner Brothers Animation. Um, they had on Fox Kids and then it was syndicated after the first series. It gave like to uh, gave rise to um, a couple of other shows as well. You had um, New ba- uh, The Adventures of Batman and Robin and The New Batman Adventures, which followed as well, but we'll come on to those. Yeah, I mean, there were, there were a lot of shows that followed this basically kind of booth. DC animation, which is still going strong today in the form of animated movies and stuff yeah. like that. But um, you mentioned Bruce Tim there, and in particular, is Bruce Tim lent his own kind of style to this, and that style has carried through a lot of those DC animated yeah. shows. Um, it's almost its own separate arm of the DC universe now, much in the way that the Arrowverse is its separate arm and things like that as well. Um, but yeah, there were obviously there was numerous Justice League shows that followed. There was a Superman show that followed, but it all yeah. really started here. Um, now before we get into it, that's one thing I was going to ask you because I having just gone back and rewatched all of these, um, I went, I couldn't get hold of the DVDs, so I went and bought them on iTunes. And the versions I've got on iTunes, the it all comes under the Batman animated series banner. But the first, say so I think of the first ten episodes, eight of them have got new adventures, or new Batman Superman adventures on the on the credits rather than. Rather than the uh, the Danny Elfman theme and that's interesting. It's really bizarre. Um, as I'm talking about sort of the way they spun things off, I'm I'm not entirely sure why they've done that. And they they're definitely the right episodes in the right yeah order. right episode right order yeah. Wow, that's odd. it's bizarre. And let's say I'll pull up on iTunes to show you, but it, um, yeah, you've got you've got the the, the poster and the artwork for Batman the Animated Series. It's just they've got the wrong credits on them. That is really bizarre. But because um, I, I was really confused and I was, I was a bit pissed off because obviously the title of what I bought, what I bought was Batman the Animated Series and thinking mm-hmm. I got the wrong thing, but then going through the episodes and it's the right episodes, the right descriptions, the right order, the right release dates, everything. It's just the wrong fucking credits. But iTunes wouldn't have done that. That'd have been from their distributor. So I don't really know why that's happened. I mean, there are the show has had numerous names um i get well i mean i guess we can get into this now there's no particular structure to the way we're doing this as you probably worked out if you listen to the last episode yeah or Um, our other show or if you've heard us on who wins yeah um so i tend to think of the show as batman the animated series and by the show what i'm actually referring to is what is three separate tv shows yeah uh there was originally batman the animated series 
Then we had the adventures of Batman and Robin. Yeah. And then we had the new adventures of yeah, Batman, Batman and Robin. Robin. Now, they were all the same. Well, new adventures did slightly revise a few things. Um, yeah, they, they updated the look. And, yeah. yeah, they updated the looks. Like, I think it actually changed networks as well in the States. Um, it went from Fox on to WB because by that time WB Kids had started. Yeah. Um, the reason for the change in style, um, I, I read this yesterday, the reason for the change in style, they, at that point they'd done the Superman um, cartoon. Right, okay. And they wanted, it was their sort of first attempt at sort of making a, uh, a universe effectively mm-hmm. where things looked the same. So a lot of this, sort of the, the, the tone and the themes were the same as, as Batman and the but the style and the way it was drawn and the way it was put together was uh, reflective of the Superman when it again it was just this whole thing of we're building towards something bigger. Yeah. Yeah. So um so yeah, I mean I I don't know why the wrong tags are on your iTunes yeah, actually. It's, it's possible really that bizarre. I guess specifically with the way iTunes does things, um rather than buying a box set you buy I mean you can buy a season but you you can buy individual episodes. That's how they're stacked up. So yeah. it could be that they've put those episodes together but they've put them together out of a separate show. Yeah, possibly. Um I don't know. I, I, what did you say it was called? The New Adventures of Batman it's, and it's, Superman. It's basically the credits. If you look at the credits, it looks like an American soap opera. It's all you know, sort of. You, you'll have a, a color display, and then you'll have some sort of semi-transparent image behind it with faces and people laughing and all the rest of the bollocks. But it's you no know, Superman and Batman and Harley Quinn's in and the Joker's in there and all the rest of it. So it's, it's kind of set up like that, and it's. I think it's called the New Batman Superman Adventure. So that kind of sounds like they basically took the best episodes of both shows and re-ran them. Yeah, um, but I say it's the it's the entire package. Um, I say it's really Weird. bizarre. Um, but every now and again, you'll get one with the proper titles and the Danny Elfman score. And I mean that that would piss me off because bar none, that those are probably some of the best titles ever on TV. Yeah. Never mind just animation. Yeah. That score and that opening sequence is yeah. absolutely it incredible. Perfectly sets the tone for what you're going to get. So I was really confused because I, in my head, before I bought them, before I watched them, I had the, you know, I had the theme in my head. Yeah. It's been there for donkey's years. And then it was a different fucking tune. I thought, like, hang on a minute, where's that come from? Yeah. I mean, that, that tune now is, I mean, that is the Batman theme tune to me now. Not, yeah. I mean, I'm a huge Adam West fan, as 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 we've touched on in and who wins as well. But the theme from that show, as iconic as it is, never signifies Batman to me. But as soon as I hear those horns kick in, mm. I think Batman. Yeah, like that is and and even sort of more modern iterations of the character. Now, when you look at what they've done in uh, the Arkham games, for instance, which are pretty heavily influenced by this show. Yeah, but the theme there, although it's a little bit sort of beefier if you yeah, like it definitely calls back to Elfman's theme yeah it's if anything it's just a grander reworking of it it's not they haven't changed that much of it no um, yeah so no, I was I was quite disappointed in that just in terms of the actual buying and the actual watching because I was really confused by the fact that well, these aren't the, tra- the credits I remember um, but listen the episodes are still there I mean the first one is still um, uh, Leather Claw where, um, with the yeah the, and, and it, so it follows the sequence so going through it and on on IMDb and looking through what episode to order and things to make sure I had the right thing. It's all there. It's just they fucked it up somehow. So Weird. It is really bizarre. Um, but yeah, so I think God start talking about sort of the iterations and some of the different titles and stuff. But it just goes it goes to show what they've done with it and how important it was that even if they have rebranded it and repackaged it to sell it elsewhere, it's still very much a part of what they've tried to do and they're trying to keep it alive as much as they can and try to keep that universe going. Yeah, I mean, it's I think culturally 
it's probably one of the most important shows we'll we'll come to. I mean, we we already know what we're talking about on this podcast for the next year or so. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think any other show that we're talking about, as, as much as we fondly remember them, have the same sort of cultural impact that, that this had. I mean, this... And it's still resonating. I mean, if you look at... Uh, just can't help you off, but... If you look at what we've got now in terms of like the the DC movie universe, mm-hmm. they're they're talking about a Batman trilogy, and you've got the the Justice League movie and all the other spin-offs that come. But the the first thing they've talked about is a Batman trilogy. Yeah, I mean, part of that as well, I guess. I mean, Batman as a character has obviously been around for for years now uh, since the thirties and forties. Batman's been yeah. kicking around as a popular character, yeah. but. I think really there's a whole generation now that have come to the character out of this cartoon and I count myself amongst that generation as well. I'm a, I'm a lifelong Batman fan but this cartoon was the point where it really took off for me like yeah. this and I will always consider this to be my Batman. Yeah. Always. I mean I, I sort of came to Batman um, used to have the Adam West show on a Saturday morning and like that was where I sort of got introduced to it and it was one of those it was funny it was silly it was cheesy and know. Um, Looking back at the time, it was no way it was Batman, and I knew who Batman was, and I knew, you know, I knew the characters, so I could follow it. But as I said, when this came out, it was one of those. It was the first, really, you know, the first chance you got to see Batman as Batman, not as a a kitschy camp um, TV adaptation. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the some of the, sort of the the praise of the show has been it's the closest reflection of the Batman comics you will ever see. Um, um, to to a certain extent, yeah. Um, I mean. Again, in the comics, much like there is in pop culture, there are different flavours and, and, and different iterations of Batman. You've got Miller's Dark Knight, for instance, which is shades of that here, but that's pretty far removed from everything else. It's yeah. ironically what a lot of people now think of in modern day terms as Batman. Yeah. But it is a, that is a very specific take on the character. This is kind of closer to sort of Neil Adams, Denny O'Neill, which was kind of the sort of late 70s early 80s kind of era of batman um but that was really the the first thing after adam west that really that really caught on that yeah. was it that was the iteration of the character that that adam west brought people to the character yeah. and then they got they got to the, know the character. they got to know the character through neil adams and, and denny o'neill and that's that's where this calls back to yeah i think um it's that kind of which again is is always my favourite kind of trait of the character. It's the Dark Knight detective rather than the sort of campy yeah. Adam West or the full on hardcore vigilante that you get in the Dark Knight. Yeah, it's primarily about Batman, not just as a as a fighter and as a as a warrior and as a vigilante. It's also about Batman as a detective and and his logical thought process and how he will absolutely own every situation because he's yeah. always ten steps in front. And that's the Batman that's in the animated series. Yeah. Uh, even down to the portrayal of Bruce Wayne, which is slightly different in the series, in that prior to this, Bruce Wayne was always uh, a playboy. He was almost Tony Stark. But yeah. He, and and those, there was parallels between those characters. Whereas here, he's played very much more as a as a businessman. He's, he's very smart. He's sort of... This is where you get things like the Wayne Foundation and stuff like that as yeah. well. Um, and that now 
has resonated as as you move forward into say Nolan's trilogy then that's the Bruce Wayne you get there there's elements of the playboy there but there's yeah. also elements of I am the head of a multi-billion dollar corporation and I am a businessman yeah because when I was thinking about this earlier on, um, when I was on the drive up but if you look at this of the going away from the series if you look at the film iterations since Burton's Batman um, uh, Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne was very much he didn't seem like a lot of him he was very very insular they didn't really use a lot of the, the Bruce Wayne character it was more just a vehicle to get from one big uh, no, one big scene with Batman to another big scene with Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, Joel Schumacher tried it um, in Batman Forever when they tried they tried to um, tried to bring him out more and to get him into into society and into function in the way you saw saw him and that's and that's how you how he was introduced to uh, Dick Grayson. And it was only the first time you really saw it was when you had Clooney uh, in Batman and Robin, where you actually got this suave, smooth talking, slick schmuck mm-hmm. basically and. The whole thing of having this character who was a character in his own right, yeah, uh, and not be. I mean, we've talked about this before. So the talking about the parallels with Tony Stark, whereas Tony Stark, you know, is is no is Iron Man under a mask, whereas Batman is the real character and Bruce Wayne. Bruce is Wayne's a mask, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's the first time you really saw that mask working properly. It was in that film, and okay, that film had various issues, and I don't want to dwell on that too much because it'll kind of take a while. Um, but then by the time you got to Nolan's Batman, they some sort of found a bit of balance and there was they tried to humanize the character a bit more and make it more about Bruce Wayne becoming Batman mm-hmm. rather than everything being about Batman and this just being this little you know, uh exposition you seen with uh, with Bruce Wayne every now and again. And I think by the time you get to um Batman Superman I think the the balance had been a bit honed a bit more. Yeah. But certainly when you come back to come back to the series it's probably the best example of balance you get where there are two characters inhabiting the same body effectively. Absolutely, and 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 um, early on, Kevin Con- from the pilot episode. In fact, Kevin Conroy portrays them as two separate characters. Yeah. The voice changes. Yeah, and that's probably the first time we see that as well. I mean, Christian Bale famously did it now to the point of of ridicule. Christian yeah. Bale's Batman voice is fucking ridiculous, and we all know it. Yeah, but that started here. Yeah. And to a point, then you get the I think they made a bit of a joke about it in Batman Superman, where Affleck's got a, a voice change but, built but into the suit. That is but, genius, though. Yeah, it's the way you get around it, then. Yeah. Um, which no, you never you never had with Conroy. They'd never done it with Conroy, and then as you say, Bale was it was probably the one of the worst decisions that was made in in that franchise. Just, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Let's let's not get into it. But somebody, um, it was. Let's be honest. It was probably Christian Bale. Somebody woke up in the morning, the first day of shooting in that, and looked in the mirror and did that voice and thought it was a good idea. Yeah, but I mean, for for ten years, nobody told him it wasn't. Yeah, That's well, the problem. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, that that started here with with Conroy's take on the character and the fact that Bruce Wayne has a much sort of higher and, and more professional sounding voice and almost especially in scenes where he's with Dick and things like that he, he is quite sort of fatherly to him and, yeah. and then the Batman voice is just the Batman that is Batman that yeah, voice that's it that kind of authoritative gruff tone yeah. that he takes I mean to, to a point where if, if you're watching it as a, as a live action show as opposed to a cartoon you'd always you could almost sort of picture somebody trying to sort of shield, shield or shape their mouth in such a way to put on a voice yeah. much like you would if you were calling in sick and you put him on that sort of that feeble yeah. pathetic voice you kind of get the impression that he, you'd see Batman doing the, the Bruce Wayne voice rather than the other way around but in a very sort of deliberate very forced exaggerated sort of way yeah 
Definitely, and and that again is about Bruce Wayne being the mask, and again the the way the characters portrayed here, being this kind of smart businessman and everything, it it ties back to the fact that Batman here is he has a genius level intellect. He's yeah. not just a fighter; he, he is a genius, and so he's able to function in that business world and essentially portray that character. Yeah, just the same as you know if he was going undercover, he he portrayed matchsticks or something like that. Yeah. It's it's all there and it's to me it is the this is the essence of Batman this is where it all starts and and every iteration since has taken something from this as I say I mean yeah. Nolan's I mean I'm not a fan of the of the Nolan take on Batman at all but but certainly Bale's take on the character comes pretty closely yeah. from here and he I, just ignores all of the detective stuff yeah I, I mean that's not really Bale's fault that's, that's what the, the writing's fault yeah oh yeah absolutely I mean even if not just that you look at some of the other characters as well who were who were appeared in that um, in that franchise a lot of what they did is informed by this, so the, the way that um, Jim Gordon was was portrayed yeah um, a lot of it goes back to um, to what they did in the series and you just think you know if you hadn't had this series okay I'll, you you could argue that the, the um without the success of Burton's films you wouldn't have had the series because the, no it, people wouldn't necessarily take we definitely on. owe a lot to Burton with this series but yeah. I, th- I think probably Batman as as a cultural entity in twenty seventeen owes more to the series than it does to any of the films. Uh, without a doubt, Batman as a cultural entity in twenty seventeen, I think, owes everything to this to the series. I mean. Not just obviously you can follow the chain back like the series wouldn't exist without the Burton films. The Burton films wouldn't exist without Adam West, and Adam West wouldn't exist without the comics. So it, the chain will always go all the way back. But Batman, as we think of him today, is very much influenced by yeah, this show. That's it. And listen, the, the way the characters have evolved, and so you look at, I said that you went through the sixties and you had some, just the the even the so the, the costumes and the and so the outfits, the uniforms. It was all very. No, even the bat suit was quite brightly coloured. It was a it was a, a pale grey and a, a navy hood with a bright yellow thing on the on the chest. And yeah. Robin was bright red, and they've sort of evolved to become a bit more practical and a bit more functional. And by the time you get to um to the the new fifty two certainly yeah it's all very much it's all it, it it's grey and black. And well, by the, by the time the new fifty two rolls around, it's it's more or less body armour. Yeah. Um, but again that. This is me being a Batman purist. That suit should be grey. <laughs> I don't like it all in black. I never no. have. Um, and like if you look at the um, so the Arkham games that we talked about around, they are they are grey with no. It's it's grey with a black cowl. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's grey bordering on black. Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> dark. It's dark grey. Don't get yeah, me wrong, yeah. but yeah, it's just it's one of those things because tonally things have got a bit more intense and a bit darker. They the sort of the the depiction the character has as well. I mean, but when you got sort of the stuff in the sixties with the you know, Kablam and Pau Kablam and all yeah. that sort of stuff. Everything was very neon and very bright, so the characters had to be as well because it would be very difficult to have likable, empathetic characters who were in very dark colours when you've got some very colourful villains like the Riddler and the Joker who are always very bright in comparison. Yeah. So I think that there's stylistically there was a lot of choice in that, and I think this is probably the first time you come away that you look at the Joker in, um, in this series and He's in his purple suit, but it's it's he's always in shadow, so it's it's always a very it's always very dark, mm-hmm. and his face is usually hidden, so you get hints of white as opposed to being an all white face with bright yeah. green hair and things like that. So I mean, and I say even when you look at Justice League, uh, the Suicide Squad movie and things like that, everything is very dark, and so you wouldn't have that were it not for the series. I think. No, you you wouldn't. Uh, I mean, coming back to the suit again, and you touched on Joker as well, like the. 
the look of these characters when you think about them, or certainly when I think about them again, all comes back to this. Like I said, the poorest in me, that suit is grey. Because the suit is grey here. Yeah. It's a grey suit. The Joker wears purple because he wears purple here. Yeah. And, you know, they've been depicted in various different forms. As you say, in in the New 52, there's... Sometimes the suit's grey, sometimes the suit's black. Depends who's inking it. But... In my head, Batman wears grey and always will because he wears grey here. Mm. And like I said, I'm a, I'm a lifelong Batman fan. I was reading, I've been reading comics since as long, I mean, as long as I can remember, not just DC, but yeah. I'm talking Marvel, fucking Beano and Dandy and everything. Like I've always read comics my whole life and I've always connected with Batman. But it was here that it took off. This show specifically. Although, ironically, I remember the first, when it first came out, um, I can't remember what channel we had it on here. I have a feeling it was ITV. It was ITV on Saturday yeah, morning. On Saturday mornings, yeah. Didn't really do anything for me at first. I mean, I would have been 12, was it? no, 92. I would have been 11 mm. when this first came out. Um, I mean, I remember watching it because it was on on a Saturday morning and watching it as a Batman fan as well. But it, it didn't, for some reason, it didn't connect with me at first. I think it was very adult in its tone. Yeah. Um, and I was probably more just wanting, I don't know, something loud and flashy, I guess. So it didn't connect. It wasn't until, and it was, I remember specifically it was the following year because it was the first time I went to Florida, which would have been 1993, would have been 12. And it was airing on the TV out there. Mm. And I just remember, I mean, bearing in mind, I'm in fucking Disney World. And I was like, I want to go home, Batman's on. I specifically remember just wanting to go back to the hotel in the afternoons and watch Batman. Mm. Um, and at that time, this was on at like, certainly in the States, this was on like middle of the evening. This wasn't yeah. like, the, this was like prime time TV at one point. Well, that was it. And one of the criticisms that was drawn over, over in this country certainly was that it was, in a, it was inappropriate for the time it was on. It was on Saturday morning. I want to say it was like 10 o'clock on Saturday morning. Yeah. In the middle of like when I used to get some magazine type shows on, on, a, on Saturday morning for kids on, on BBC and ITV. And it was one of their, you know, one of their featured things before they went off the air. And one of the criticisms was that this is far too grown up yeah, for, I mean, for, for the time of day. Yeah, but it's Batman. Yeah. But it, no, you've got people, sh- no, people shooting. I think Jim Gordon's the only one who actually got shot in the show. But... You had people shooting guns every week. You had your protagonist beating up your antagonists and fighting mm-hmm. with henchmen and actually you know, instigating fights as opposed to defending themselves. It was the first time you had stuff like this. And it was on at 10 o'clock in the fucking morning. Even, yeah, I mean, and that's just on a, on a visceral level, even when you look at it in terms of... I mean, we're talking about a show that's won Emmys here. Yeah. This is the thing. This is a kids' show, in inverted commas. Yeah. That, this is won Emmys. That is yeah. the level of writing that this show has. But... Aside from that visceral side of things, you, you even look at things like, as we get later into the show when Harley gets introduced, you look at the Joker-Harley relationship, which caused a shitstorm last year when Suicide Squad came yeah. out. And, got, and all of a sudden, there are all of these issues that people are bringing up in that relationship, which have been there since day one in yeah. the show, but they were children and did not realise what yeah, they were it. being told. But there are stories there about abuse that, yeah. that, that and just wash over You've kids. got stories about abuse. You've got, I mean, you look at the way the, the, the Harley character evolved. And I'll come on to Harley in a minute because it's one of my favourite points about the show. But you look at the way the character evolved. You've had a, you have a character who has a complete fucking psychological breakdown. Yeah. And goes from being a, a well-respected doctor, okay, with some issues, to being a complete fucking psychopath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, you, as, as a kid, you don't pick up on that. 
No, of course not. As a kid, it's a cool-looking character. Yeah, it's a funny-looking character. She looks a bit like a clown. Yeah, which which is probably why so many of us connected with her because, and especially she was a funny character as well. She looked cool. She had a giant fucking hammer. Yeah. So we all kind of connected with her, and then it, I think it's only really now where, like, the Suicide Squad movie was what fifteen ratings, something like that. Yeah. So. There's probably a generational gap as well with kids today that have watched that and connected with it because they've come to know Harley's character since and all of a sudden get this thrown in their face as almost adults. Certainly people who are able to process this information better are going, hang on, this relationship's a bit uncomfortable. Yeah. And the film's getting dragged through the mud for it. And they yeah. say, well, well no, That's this has always been there. Yeah, you just weren't able to question this. And our generation, certainly watching this as kids, weren't equipped yeah. it's to only, deal with It's that, only reading it as an adult. That you realise it's there. Yeah. Um, but but it shouldn't be slagged for that. That is no, it's, it's that a, very, a brave step it's to a, take. It's a very brave step. And I think it's it's kind of integral to the character as well. And the fact that, and so I want to come on to, the fact that, Harley is probably the biggest success story of the animated series, and it's oh, Harley's, Harley's become canon. Yeah. No, you, you take a character who you introduce for a kids' cartoon, and in a, in a, a show that's been established for sixty years, but a, 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 a character and a, a, a comic that's been established for nearly sixty years at this point, and you bring in a brand new character who you're going to make, who you're going to put front and center, and yeah. you look at them through the Arkham games, Harley's front and center, certainly through the first two, and then you look at Suicide Squad, again she's front and center. And you think, fucking hell, this character, this character, by comparison, is still a child. Yeah, I mean, with, with Suicide Squad last year, and say what you will about the film, I personally really like it. I like it, I'll be honest. Say, say what you will about the film, um, that character has skyrocketed in popularity. Yeah. Like, Harley's become a thing now. She always was amongst the kind of fan community, but she's out there front and centre in popular culture now. Harley yeah. is a thing now. Um and, and again, that all comes back to... I mean, when, when you look at how she's introduced in the episode, I mean, Paul Dini had no... I, and we haven't even brought Paul Dini up yeah. yet, which we talked about Bruce Tim, but so much of this, again, comes back to... to it comes back to Paul Dini. Yeah. And a lot since then as well, Paul's transition to worked in the comics and stuff like that as well. But so much of this show, and we've talked about the writing and winning Emmys and stuff, so much of that comes down to Paul Dini and the way he handles the character. Yeah. Um, but Harley is used in the initial episode just as a throwaway story mechanic. She does not, she doesn't come in with an origin story. She's not, she's just not yeah. explained who she is. They just needed a female counterpart for the Joker to go undercover as a female police officer. Mm. It was Harley. And then all of a sudden, she shows up again in a couple of weeks, and this yeah. time she's in costume. And then she shows up again and again and again. And then, as we get towards the end of the run, I think it's actually in the new adventures that we get the adaptation of Mad Love, mm. and that's where the character really cemented itself. Yeah. But they had no idea what they were creating there when they started. Yeah, that's it. And so for that character to take off, to, I mean that, I guess it, it's it's kind of the Lennon McCartney between the two of them. Like when you appear, Deanie's writing, and then you get the way Bruce Tim designed that character and drew her. The yeah. two together just just took off. Yeah, that's um, right. But it wasn't just Harley that they did that for. I mean, they they completely reinvented Mister Freeze. By the time yeah. we, by the time Heart of Ice rolled around here, nobody gave a shit about Mister Freeze. Yeah. He was dead in the comics. I mean, I, I, to be honest, I, I wasn't at that at that point. I, I wasn't into the comics, um, and I hadn't come across Mister Freeze before. 
Yeah. So I wasn't aware of the character. And then when Hart Weiss first came, I was like, fucking hell, that's, um, that's, that's quite an interesting one. That's quite an interesting character and quite a lot of work going into that. And to me, it was a new character. Well, I mean, I mean for all intents and purposes, it, it's they completely, like, they threw out his origin and just started again. They brought the whole thing in with Nora and stuff like that, which that all started here as well. Now, that is now the canon yeah. origin story for Mr. Freeze, but that started here. Yeah. That Prior to that, it was completely different. And then his whole his whole look as well was reinvented here, but he's almost he's almost kind of cybernetic when you look at the way he's done here, and that's yeah. carried through again when you look at the Arkham games stuff like yeah. it's it's Mister Freeze from the animated series. Yeah, I mean, look, we touched on it earlier on that the 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 Arkham games are pretty much just a slightly better rendered or human human rendered as opposed to cartoon rendered version of of the game of the of the series. They yeah, they um, absolutely are. And I mean if you look at the games and so the, the the casting of them, certainly the first one, it's the cast of the animated series. Yeah. Um Arlene Sorkin didn't come back for Arkham City. Um, it was somebody else who did Harley. Um I can't remember who it was, but that's uh, not really important. But so, the fact that you, you, know, you had Kevin Connery, you had Mark Hamill come back for it. Um you had um basically the the entire the, the entire main cast if they used the character in the game, they they used the same voice talent. Yeah, and uh, there was there was a lot of input from um, from the people behind the series in terms of developing the story. So I mean, it's it again it all all owes itself, and it's all no, it's the fact that the things that have now become canon. The fact that when you go to Arkham City, you've got you've got the story with storyline with with Freeze and Rescuing Victor. That's all thrown in. You you've got you know, you've got the things with with Catwoman. You've got things with with Two Face. All this stuff. Has been, as I said, it's been practically reinvented at this point for yeah. for the series. I mean, Two Faces was another one I wasn't really familiar with until until the cartoon, um, and I, I just re- I rewatched Two Face yeah. last night just as a as a reminder. So the the two parter, and I think it's you, you look at the way the, sort of the, the birth of that character was handled. I think it was a bit heavy handed in terms of well, he was already kind of schizophrenic, and then he just blew him up a little mm-hmm. bit, and then, so that that may not be the best way to do it, but I think it's possibly better than. In Batman Forever, he had acid thrown over his face when he was in court, and so half of it was covered and half it wasn't. And then in uh, Dark Knight, where yeah, it was um, partly blown up, and I'm not entirely sure what the right way to do to develop that character is. Um, in terms of the actual physical part, yeah, yeah. It's that. I don't think that matters so much. I think the my biggest problem with that episode, and I think it's um, it's called Two Face Part One and Two Face Part Two. I think the whole thing of you had the character character Harvey Dent, he'd been in it once or twice before. And then all of a sudden you bring this character in and you give him a major role in the episode, but you've got this cyclist character you've never seen before. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a bit jarring. That's probably the, the biggest complaint I've had in certainly rewatching the first series. Yeah. Is that, that that was probably the worst handling of a character, I think. I think that is one of the problems. Um, you know, I mean, I love this show. Well, I, I love it. As If you haven't worked that out already, I, I absolutely love this show. But, you know, we have to be critical here. That's that's what we're doing. Yeah. And there is definitely a problem with the overarching storylines in these shows. Mm-hmm. Um, it very much feels like every episode is its own self-contained thing. Yeah. And there's no kind of overarching structure. Probably primarily because there were so many episodes to begin with. And that also kind of makes it feel a little bit more like a like a comic run as well in that yeah. everything exists within a continuity yeah but we're not necessarily always yeah going to one story you, you you'll have singles i mean everything in this show unless you get two-parter is really a kind of monster of the week yeah kind of thing um and so you will get characters recur because they exist in continuity but 
there's not really any you don't aside from the core cast of say Batman Bruce and the Joker and Harley and Robin you don't get that kind of progression with the characters yeah. once Two-Face is Two-Face then he's Two-Face he's and two -face, we've yeah. had his origin story and now he's Two-Face yeah uh, same with Mr. Freeze we've had his origin story uh, amazing as it is yeah. we've had his origin story and well, now it's Mr. Yeah. Freeze but now it doesn't matter anymore because we're just moving on with the character yeah so, yeah. so now that that's why he's who he is and now he, when he shows up again that's yeah that's why he is as he is and yeah and, and they do that with, with everybody they do it with Man Bat they do it with Croc they do it with everyone that they use yeah and there's this I guess that's partly because it was ultimately supposed to be a Saturday morning kids show it's a case of our children gonna remember to carry this through. Yeah, and I think that's slightly, that's slightly derogative towards children. I mean, when you look at, we've talked on who wins, and I'm sure we'll come to talk about it in time on this show as well about things like Jason the Wheeled Warriors mm. uh, and Ulysses and shows like that which did have overarching narratives. And yeah. as a child, and I mean a young child at this point. I fucking love them and I fondly remember following them all the way through like I would watch a TV yeah. series and I would sit down and watch them now like a TV mm. series. So there's no reason it couldn't have been written like that. Yeah, and it, it, it is surprising given that because it does follow the sort of the the, the comic you know, the, so the comic route where you do always have these overarching stories and you know, you, you'll have your, your threads but there will be there will be callbacks to previous things and it's surprising they didn't do that. It's, it's an element I think they possibly missed out on. Yeah, I'm not really sure why or what the reasoning for that was. No, I mean the only real, I guess you could say the only real story arc that you have is we do deal with multiple Robins over the course of the yeah. series here, um, and they you know so you do see Dick progress and become Nightwing and 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 that sort of thing. But again, it it's minor and it happens off screen. Yeah, there is a point where one show ends. And another one starts, yeah, and when, all of a sudden, Dick is Nightwing. Yeah, because when um, when Batman the series finishes, when, you know, I'm, I'm talking about if you look at the the way the episodes are set out, and then you've got a gap of about two two and a half years between mm -hmm. that and the new Batman Robin Adventures, or mm -hmm. new Batman Adventures, as we called. In that transition, you went from having Batman and Robin, and there was sporadic appearances of Batgirl towards the end. Yeah, you had a show which featured on Batman, Nightwing. New Robin, and then Batgirl sort of popped up through that as well. So you you never really know what happened in those intervening years, and that was one thing that they could have possibly explored was how Robin became Nightwing effect and how you came to have a new Robin. Yeah, I think it's a story that's been told a lot in the comics, um, but I don't think we've seen it on TV or in a film. No, I don't think they did do anything with it. Um, it, it I just remember it all happening off screen, which was. Say it's odd, but it's it's kind of the way the show rolled. It was like okay, there's this week's episode on to the next, on to the next, on to the next, and it just kept going. Um, but each of those episodes in themselves were perfectly self-contained yeah. little stories. Um, so yeah, and and I guess over the course of what the first season was sixty something episodes, yeah. so that is a long time to have a continuous narrative, yeah. I suppose. I mean, just to, to clarify the point on that, um, this is. Officially, this it ran for two seasons. It ran from it ran, uh, ninety two to ninety five. The first season was sixty five episodes, and the reason for that was it guaranteed them syndication. So basically, once the season had aired, they could sell it and keep on keep it on the air, in perpetuity, um, which they pretty much have done. Um, that's fucking smart. That's fucking genius. And you, st 
I don't know how many networks will take a punt on that now. Um, I don't think maybe Netflix, but then they don't but have to worry about syndication. Well, that's so. that's it. I mean, I, I don't even I don't think there's anybody who would do that now, and I don't think anybody who would. I mean, certainly from a TV perspective, given that you've got Netflix and Amazon and all the other sort of streaming services now, I don't think anybody would be brave enough because it's a massive outlay and a massive commitment. Mm. And if it doesn't pay off, because especially because you've got you know, people will watch things on Netflix and they watch them on whatever, people aren't watching as much regular TV as they were. In, in the conventional way, so to say right yeah we're gonna do we're gonna do a season which is three times the length of your average TV of your average season, and you're gonna pay us to, you're gonna pay us for it, and then we'll then we'll do some supplementals if it sells well we've got another season we can do after that but it won't be anywhere near as long it'll be a regular season, I mean that was phenomenal, yeah I think they they probably were able to get away with that because a it was Batman, which I mean. By this point, Batman's already a well-established character. Yeah. And B, you, even though it was, what was this, 91? So two years, no, 92, 92. But we would have been doing deals like this in, what, 1990, 1991? Yeah. So you, you've literally just had Burton's Batman that, take over the fucking world. That was, one of the, um, that was one of the, comment, the comments that um, the, the creators made at the time, is that they owed a great deal to Tim Burton because the success of that film and the amount of money that made, yeah. it meant that... Um, uh, Fox gave him a pilot. Yeah. And without the film, they probably wouldn't have because Batman, I say it was, it was still associated with Adam West. You hadn't really had, uh, so from a TV perspective, yeah. anyway, you hadn't really had any advance from that until you had Burton's um, iteration. So if it hadn't been for that film, I, th- I think the network would have balked, certainly at the idea of giving him 65 episodes. I think there was possibility they wouldn't have even got the pilot on it yet. Quite possibly. And I mean, I, I think it, I, I don't mean to sound like this has stifled the creators in any way, but there is there's definitely a push there to make this as similar in style to Burton's Batman oh, yeah. as possible. Yeah, I it's mean, got that kind of gothic. Yeah, it's a very sort of gothic it. sort of noir forty yeah. style and one of the I mean, you've got the blimps and stuff like that. Yeah, which... I mean re- doing I've did quite a bit of reading about this the last couple of weeks just sort of preparing for this, but one of the things they sort of said they, they wanted to combine the sort of the, the, the tone of Burton's, which is I say it's very very dark, very noir, and as a character, very noir, um, and combine it with that sort of forty style he had with the um, the early series, of, the early mm-hmm. Superman series. Um, yeah, I can't remember who played Superman in that series, but the one that Affleck recreated in Hollywoodland, um, and that's going to come back in the three o'clock. There you go. I said that would come back in the three o'clock in the morning. I'd be pissed off. Um, but yeah, they wanted to sort of try and combine those sort of styles, with those sort of aesthetics with it. Um, but obviously being in colour, but you know, using the using the dark frames, using using the sort of the space as, as part of the character, part of the disguise. But, I mean, you always see like, when he's running across rooftops chasing cars and things, he comes out of a shadow and he's yeah. a silhouette against the moon and he's back into the shadow. It's all this sort of very dark, very, very, very deliberate, very intentional. He, you only see him when he wants you to see him. Yeah. Um, whereas you know, with the, the Adam West stuff, it could most of them, a lot of it took place during the day in well-lit places. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you didn't have the element yeah. of, of, of surprise. You didn't have the element of the, of him taking on the bat persona as such, and he's mainly there at night, and he's some, he's a, he's he's hidden away, and he's sort of up in the up in the yeah. rafters somewhere. And I think a lot because because of that, I think that's why this is so special. I think because it it so it, it used the environment as part of part of his character and part of his yeah. of his of his method effectively. Um, but yes, yeah, so, I mean it's look, they've always they've always talked um, as in all the interviews and things I've read they've always talked about how much they wanted to they wanted to style it in that certain way um, so I, I don't I, I don't know how much of it was due to the fact that Burton had just done it and they thought well we can 
we can use that to our advantage. I mean, I mean you have to think there's net network influence there where it's yeah. like, yes, okay, you can have a Batman show. Yeah, but this is kind of but what it just has sold. to be like this. Yeah. yeah. Because we've just made a fucking ass ton of cash off this. Yeah. So we want this. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, make a cartoon of that. Yeah. Um, rather than make a cartoon of, you know, the film or yeah. uh, sorry, make a cartoon of the Adam West show or make a cartoon of the comic. It's make a cartoon of that film. Yeah. That is what we want. And you actually see that around this era as well, even though they weren't as successful, you see that with cartoons like Beetlejuice, yeah. for instance, which is very clearly a cartoon show, but it's like, right, it needs to look like that film. Yeah. You know, so, and it needs the tone of that film. And I think the just be- for kids. I think the benefit the show gets as well, it's it's inadvertent, but I think it's definitely there as by the time this show aired, Batman, not only would we had Batman, we'd have Batman Returns, and that was... Same year, in that was yeah, yeah, that was fresh. If it hadn't released before the series started, it was imminent, so people would have been aware of it. Mm-hmm. And again, one would have complemented the other in terms of the silence of what people were expecting. Well, again, you look at the way the Penguin is portrayed in yeah. the animated series, and it's he's not quite the fucking mutant that he is in Batman Returns, mm-hmm. but he's very stylistically similar yeah, with the hook nose and the yeah. monocle and the, it's a lot know. it's a long way removed from the penguin you had in the Adam West series who yeah. was a, a fairly tall skinny guy with a monocle and a purple hat yeah exactly um, so yeah they, they did a lot more work with the character so they did complement each other quite a lot and I think again that possibly would have helped with sales of one and the other mm-hmm. the fact that people who were getting into the series were like oh there's a new Batman film out yeah. and people who'd seen the film and enjoyed it were oh Batman's on TV mm. and let's say that would have that would have helped audiences for both and then, ironically, by the time we roll around then to the Schumacher Batmans, it's gone the other way. Yeah. And the, the snake's eaten itself, and they're actually borrowing from the animated series. Yeah, but with uh, very little success. Yeah, because they they took what is definitely a very, even for a child show, a very adult and noir tone, yeah. and made it colourful and vibrant yeah. and cast fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Yeah. Freeze. I mean, I, I, I tried to forget about Batman and Robin because it was, oh, in terms of a story, it was an abortion, let alone the actual way it was put together. I mean, it looked very nice and it looked very, you know, very well put yeah. together, but they had fucking $100 million to do it. Batman Forever, I think, was kind of the same in as much as it, they, they went away from having that very dark, very serious, very sombre tone that you had in Burton's Batman films. And that kind of went out the window and they tried to make it a bit more playful. It was, I think I think Batman Forever was a PG. Yeah. Um, so all of a sudden you took away the fighting and the brooding and all the rest of it and it was all very stylized. It was all bits, big set pieces. Even the fucking Batmobile had a big fin on it and it was all lit up. Yeah, yeah. It, no, you might, you might as well have painted it red. Mm. But but even there, even though the um, it is very colourful in tone and things like that, you see things like Jim Carrey's interpretation of the Riddler. Yeah. And rather than the Riddler, that is calling back to Hamill's Joker. Yeah. And that's something that's carried through in a few things since. The Riddler, as he's being portrayed, if the Joker is not around, does tend to be played closer now yeah. to Hamill's Joker. I mean, not as not as malicious, perhaps, and not as outwardly sinister, yeah. but definitely that kind of manic energy, as opposed to the the Riddler that you, you tend to have seen before that and in the comics, which is kind of more just a more cerebral character then yeah you know more more calculated in car yeah. i mean i guess having said that he was also very similar in the in the adam west series but but certainly carries riddler you can see elements of hamill's joker in there i yeah. think yeah there's sort of the and to, to an extent as well you see it in leto's joker as well it's just this chaotic 
Lee Dale's Joker, I think, is very is actually very close to Hamill's Joker. Yeah. Um, just modernised. Yeah, it, it's the chaotic, you know, throw the grenade first, ask questions later sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that, yeah, you're right, I haven't really thought about it, Jim, that Jim Carrey's performance in Batman Forever is, is very close to that. Yeah. And had he been playing the Joker, I don't think anybody would have questioned it, other than yeah. the fact he'd already had a Joker in uh, Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Um, Two-Face, I think, two, the, the Two-Face portrayal in that film um, was Tommy Lee Jones, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And I think that was kind of similar to the, um, the Big Bad Half um, character. And you had this very tough, very sort of, very gangsterish, very angry character who then happened to flip, yeah. flip a coin for everything. Um, whereas by the time you got to Aaron Eckhart um, in, in Dark Knight, he was the opposite. He was what the, the Harvey Dent you got in the previous episodes he was in where he was very caring very compassionate very not very strong yeah, yeah. but he wasn't a psychopath yeah. um, and then they basically turned him into one by blowing him up mm-hmm. um, and I, th- I think again that the the, the Batman as I said Batman Forever borrowed very heavily from what you had on screen with the, with the series and That's I think it, it took some very good elements but then and so it took some very good char- character elements but it didn't the aesthetic of it just didn't fit no I mean, with I, you just touched on it, but with the exception, I would say of Two Face, who in Batman Forever looks pretty much identical yeah. to how he's portrayed in the animated series. They yeah. they pretty much took that character uh, yeah, and I put think, it on film. I think the only difference is his skin is purple instead of green. Yeah, but no, I mean, there's a very definite because like the division so, on the shoot and yeah. things like that. Uh, and but if you look at so the, the the motifs, Riddler was everything was green uh, yeah. as it always is. So you couldn't then have. Two face with a group, not half a green face as well. No, no. Now you need to do something a bit extra. Yeah. Um, but again, you look at them you know, throughout all the iterations of Batman, green and purple are the sort of the color themes for all the villains. So it kind of fit. Yeah, I'd never, I'd never thought of that, but yeah, you're right. But Joker you know, has a purple suit. Penguin's hat was always purple. Purple, yeah. Ivy's green. Ivy's green. Riddler's green. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's a bit. I know you get other ones who won't fit that, and you know, people will. Yeah. Email and tell me tell me I'm wrong and that's fine. But you always had those motifs. I wasn't and... gonna tell you this, but you're colourblind. <laughs> <laughs> but no no, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's it's just motifs you use. And I think the fact that they they had both and it was like you had in Batman Returns you had the ambiguity with um with Catwoman as to which side she was actually on. But yeah, you had two villains effectively. Whereas and I mean in Batman Forever you had two villains, you had two face and riddle. By the time you got to Batman and Robin you had about sixty five. Yeah. You had Freeze, you had Ivy, you had Bane. Bane, yeah. But Bane wasn't Bane. Bane was uh, basically a puppet. Uh, that wasn't Bane. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Bane was just some, something that Ivy put yeah. Venom into. Um, nor, is, nor is Tom Hardy's Bane Bane either while we're on the subject. Bane hasn't been done yet. No, I'm, I'm waiting for a decent Bane. Yeah. Um, but, yeah so I mean, but again, what, are, what we consider to be a decent Bane, we'll call back here. Yeah. I mean, it everything calls back. This is the cornerstone of Batman, I think, for our generation. I think so, and I think like going through the Arkham games and like you get the character profiles and all this sort of stuff, and it explains where they you know where they've come, you know, what their origin is, what the, you know, what the origin story is, but when they first appeared, what, and you can sort of kind of get a sense of culturally where we were when things, you know, when characters first appeared. So, um, you, know, you look back at um, when Hugo Strange popped up, mm-hmm. um. And I can't remember exactly when it was, but you can sort of pre- you can probably relate that to a, a personality within the public domain. Yeah. That you could then say, oh, fucking hell, okay, right, that's it. I dare say that in a year or so we'll have a mad dictator president yeah. somewhere. Um, and that's just kind of how, how these things were, how these, how these characters come up, because you have to keep them relevant and you have to, you have to give your characters a context, which 
your audience will will buy into from where they are in time. Um, so that was always a really interesting. But so reading the background on Bane and sort of uh, certainly the character bio, and you think we've not had that yet. We've not had, we've not seen that in either iteration of Bane we've had on no. screen yet. But you look at the series, yeah, and nigh on spot on. I think the series is probably the best place to look at how they've same with anything. They've taken the, the text and they've interpreted it. Yeah, but they, they, their interpretation is probably as close to the comics as you're going to get. Yeah, it is. It is its own thing, as I said, and and there is a, a separate spur of the DC universe really that yeah. exists within this kind of, I guess it's Bruce Timm's universe yeah. really, um, and and it is sort of its own thing. But yeah, it is as slavishly close as any adaptation yeah. is going to get, whilst at the same time going in its own way and. That just comes from a place of love for the source material. It's yeah. clear in the way everything is handled here. Yeah, and yeah. even the way that the, when they introduce new characters, like you introduced, uh, they introduced Harvey, uh, Harley Quinn. There was a cop on his name was Mendez. Montoya. Montoya. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Montoya starts here as yeah. well. Yeah. I, I, th- I think I think that the I think Nolan tried to make a variation of that of that character in Dark Knight, but didn't really. Yeah. Work. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, Montoya, yeah, that character. Richard. There was another one. Um, Lockup. Mm. Okay. They sort of they, they introduced characters into into a universe that be, they became canon themselves, but they they didn't step on what had already been done. No. And I think sometimes when you you have an existing universe and you try and you try and think right, okay, well, we need to expand it a little because people people know what's going to come and what's coming. People understand the characters or people can read the characters. We need to inject some fresh blood, and they did that, but they did it in such a way that they didn't step on what was already there and what what people loved about the show and what people loved about the comics. Yeah. Um, and as I said, now Harley has gone on to be one of the most popular characters in, in DC. I mean I yeah. uh, when I was living in, in Australia there was um, on comic book day they had there was actually a fist fight going on and uh, we all thought it, uh, there was a group of us watching it and we all thought it was staged. But it was actually two employees of different comic book stores. One was dressed as Wonder Woman, one was dressed as Harley Quinn and they were beating the fucking crap out of each other in the middle of the road <laughs> at like eight o'clock on a Saturday morning. And it it was something we all thought it was staged, but it turned out ridiculous. it turned out that you no know, somebody undercut somebody's prices or somebody 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 was doing a deal and somebody else changed what deal they were doing to undercut it or whatever it was. Um but yeah, you had you had people in very realistic costumes, but people were standing there rooting for Harley Quinn over Wonder Woman and she was getting her ass kicked. I mean that's fucking ridiculous. But yeah, no, it, Wonder Woman's obviously gonna be Harley yeah. Quinn. What the fuck are these people thinking? Yeah. But you know, it's it's the fact that people weren't there and actually knew who this character was and they wanted this character to do okay. something. But more importantly then, I know this is on, but more yeah. importantly, which of the two won? I don't know. They both got carted off. Shit. Uh, so that was uh, disappointing. But I was, yeah, I'd, I'd forgotten about it. So I, was, I, I was looking for something on Facebook the other day and it came, it came up on my feed. And I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. But it's, uh, yeah, I mean, the fact that this character has become so beloved that people will now stand and root for this because for a better version of this character, not giving me that no, there were people who were on their way to comic book shops at eight o'clock on a Saturday morning. Yeah, but still, I mean Harley is exceptional. I think Harley, just as you say, she she's now canon, but Harley just came in and kicked the fucking doors down. Yeah, she just she took off like a rocket. Whereas a character like Montoya is, is so subtle, that she over the years she's just kind of ingrained herself into the universe and yeah you you forget that she was Which like was that yeah like it's harley there's obviously there's before harley and then there's everything after because yeah. she's she literally did just kick the door yeah it, it's as i say a bomb off isn't it so you can see yeah. what it's up to right till it goes off and then you can see the carnage afterwards so that's yeah. a very definite point but yeah you're right with, with Montoya, you, you 
if you don't think about it, you would quite happy. She's just always she, been there. Yeah, you're quite happy to think that she's always been there. I mean, then certainly in the series, there was a lot of emphasis on Bullock at the start. Yeah. Um, and Bullock again as a, as a character, I don't think they. I, I'm not entirely sure they did him a great service in in the show. I think that they could have, they could have spent a bit more time, building him up. I mean, every every time you saw him, he was basically out to get Batman. Yeah. In a very Tom and Jerry inept sort of way. Yeah. Um, and I I think they could have done more with the character to develop him to a point where you actually gave a crap whether he got it wrong or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the, the Gotham series um, that's airing now and the maze is still going, um, they've tried to, again, they've tried to humanise the character a bit more and make him a bit more of a person rather than just, I'm there to no, say yeah. Batman did it, Batman did it, Batman did it. Um, so yeah, I mean, he was very front and centre from day one. And then so once Montoya appeared, he said there was just less and less emphasis on Bullock because people didn't give a fuck. No, Montoya is just a... Bullock is quite a two-dimensional character. He yeah. is like, yeah, Batman did it. I'm, I'm an antagonist within the police force yeah. to counteract Jim Gordon. That's... Yeah, that's my, that's that's my job. Bullock's sole purpose yeah. as a narrative device. Um, you do see him handled more subtly in, in some issues of the comics and in other, like you say, things like Gotham as well. Um, but generally, that's his thing. Whereas Montoya was this three-dimensional character as soon as she came into it. Mm. She was just fundamentally more interested she would do what needed almost like Batman but within the confines of the law she would yeah. do what needed to be done yeah. to catch whoever it was that week Yeah, and she was more interesting as a character to me because of that yeah and I mean like from the reading I've done uh, in preparation for this so they, the way they've taken her into the comics and uh, they, um, they they acted her as a gay character if she wasn't yeah. already um, and then they, you know, they had her basically having her issues with the police and leaving the police because of the corruption and stuff like that you you never you've never would have seen that with a character like Bullock. It would have just been well, I'm getting my paycheck, so I don't really give a fuck. Give me another donut. Yeah, yeah. and that was it. And as a character, I think she she's been allowed to evolve a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, again, I think it's 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 interesting the way that interesting the way that these new characters have been ingre- have been integrated into that into the sort of the wider universe and into 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 the comics, and they've been given more life. And it would be very easy to either ignore them altogether, or just to sort of slot them in and just leave them kind of yeah. rot. I, th- I think probably the key is because because Harley was such a runaway success she kind of had to be retconned she needed an origin story very quickly yeah um, and all of a sudden they then needed to, to break her off from the Joker so she could go in her own direction so there was a lot of retconning going on yeah. there whereas with a character like Montoya it was able to be more subtle and rather than having to retcon things they could just gradually introduce her into all yeah. of these universes yeah whereas with Harley it was like oh fuck we've we're sitting on a gold mine. What do we do here? Yeah, that's it. You know, um, and you you see that in the show as well, where she just as the show goes on, she appears more and more frequently. Yeah. I mean, to start with, she was one and done. She was in one episode, yeah. and then she and, went away. And that was it. But it was honestly, she was, she popped up more and more frequently. But every time she popped up, there was more of her. Yeah. And I I, so I think the way it was handled was brilliant. And I think that the impact it's had on on the universe has been has, has been great as well. And the the fact again, sim- very similarly to. Montoya, as much as you, you think back, she's always been there. You, even though there's a very definite point before Harley, you can't really imagine it. It's very difficult to imagine a a, a mm-hmm. Batman world where she isn't there, causing fucking chaos. Yeah, uh, and I mean, it, she has become her own thing now. Very rare do you actually see Harley in a Batman story. Yeah. Still, it's very rare. Harley has her own book. You'll see her in Suicide Squad. You'll see her in things like Gotham Sirens, but. When she does show up in a Batman story, 
it's still like, oh, okay, excellent. Harley's yeah. in this. And it's still a, a treat, as it was in the show. Yeah. It's like, this is going to be awesome. Harley's in it. Yeah, it's, it's, as a character, she's not overused. No, not at all. I well, she, I mean, she is everywhere. She, but she's there if you want her and you want to go and read about yeah, her. that's it. I mean, look at some some of the characters, um, and there's some of, the ways some, some of them sort of just kept popping up every now and it would be, oh, fuck, it's the same story again. It's... Yeah. No, it, you, 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 you don't get tired of seeing Harley because... Certainly in Batman, so she's in other things, but in Batman, she's only there sporadically. Yeah. So you don't get a chance to get fed up. Whereas some of the others, you go, oh, fucking hell, this again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, consequently, you've got, they, they, they kind of do the same thing with the Joker as well, in that I think because Hamill's portrayal of the Joker is now so well loved and so well regarded, and unquestionably, he is the Joker. Yeah. But it's not actually in this show as much as you think he is. Every episode is not a Joker episode. No, and he's not the overarching villain. No, the majority of them are not Joker no, episodes. And it, it, again, it is a thing of like, all right, this is a Joker episode. Yeah. And you always knew because they generally have Joker in the title. Yeah. So, I think or some sort of pun on cards. Yeah. And on, but yeah, I mean, looking at and the way that, the way it's all set up, I've got Wikipedia in front of me um, just because it's where the bulk of our research comes from. I'm not that lazy. Um but I haven't done any research just for the record um, but you look at the way it's set up and it talks about who your who protagonists are and it's got a section for supporting cast for mm-hmm. your protagonist side so people like Grey Ghost and things like yeah. that and then your your yes. Grey Ghost yeah, we'll we'll we haven't talked we'll, about we'll Grey Ghost um, but you've got your, your antagonists on the list of supporting cast and your antagonists are basically Joker Yeah. Like, but he's not in it that much he's but really he, not. he is seen as the, the big bad for the whole show <laughs> which is understandable because he is unquestionably the big bad for Batman. I mean, yeah. Batman's rogues gallery is huge, as we yeah. know, but the Joker is is his nemesis. It's just that in this show, again, because there's no overarching story, it's not about the Joker's got this grand scheme that everybody else is working for yeah. him and stuff like that. If if we have a Clayface episode, it will be a Clayface episode, and it, yeah. the Joker won't be in it. If we have a Two-Face episode, it will be a Two-Face episode. And yeah. Very rare do you actually get the crossover. Yeah, that's right. Um, I can't believe we didn't we haven't touched on, on Grey Ghost yet. Yeah, I mean I was gonna come on to that because I've I've made a list of some of, some of the the notable um recurring guests mm. um, which I've got in front of me. So you've got Adam West as Grey Ghost, yeah. um uh Roddy McDowell from Planet of the Apes as um as Mad Hatter, Ron Perlman as Clayface, uh Michael Ansara as Mr. Freeze, uh, Helen Slater from Supergirl yeah. as uh, as Talia Al Ghul. And Michael York as uh, Werner Vertigo. Yeah. So I mean, you've got you've got a, you've got a cast of, with the exception of Mark Hamill, relative unknowns for uh, from a wider from a wider yeah. world. So the the uh, likes of Kevin Conroy have done a lot a lot of work beforehand, but but Kevin Conroy wasn't really Kevin Conroy until this. No, exactly. Whereas Adam West was Adam West, yeah. and Roddy McDowell was Planet of the Apes guy before they did this. So he had some yeah. very big names who then came in and basically went, yeah, I'll do whatever. And just the genius of bringing Adam West in as this kind of 1940s serial detective yeah. character. Yeah, it was an absolute great genius. Was, yeah. And, and just to hear that voice in this... That's it. it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's quite funny, you know, um, you look at Adam West and certainly the last of 20 years, Adam West is... He will always, he will always be Batman. He, he's synonymous with Batman. But a lot of people of a younger generation will associate him with Family Guy. Yeah. And so... To then go back and hear that voice, not only being the voice of Batman, or being the, the face of Batman, but to also be Mayor Adam West. Yeah. 
and doing the Grey Ghost, it's fucking hilarious. Yeah, it is. It's genius. Um, and I said the, the way they kind of set that character up, it was from from memory. I haven't I, in the rewatching. I haven't gone that far. Um, but I, I vaguely remember there's an element of Bruce's character, which is kind of modelled on yeah uh, on his character. Uh, I can't remember his his person Simon Trent. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of the Bruce is modelled on that, and I think that's quite it was quite amusing. Um, but as you say, just to hear that voice, um, and yeah. that's it. It's, genius and, and again it's just the level of, of love and respect that comes from the creators of the show yeah. like they've got this episode in front of them with the Grey Ghost and they're like okay well who are we going to cast Adam West yeah. obviously obviously yeah. no, it, it, it's, it's I say it's, it's almost perfect yeah you know, to, to a point where like no, having um, when Kevin Smith did um, Jason Bob Strike Back and he um, he effectively had Mark Hamill playing a piss take of the Joker yeah um, in a Star Wars ripoff, mm-hmm. you know that's sort of, it's it's that sort of it's kind of a pastiche. If yeah, you like. it's too perfect. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if you get it, it's brilliant. And if you don't get it, it doesn't really matter because it still, it yeah. still makes sense. I mean, like I know Kevin Smith kind of played on it with a hey kids, it's Mark Hamill sort of thing. Yeah. But if he hadn't done that, people would have still known it was Luke Skywalker. And in and there was a part now because the character he was playing was more of more of the Joker than Luke Skywalker and all the rest of mm-hmm. it. And to again to see to see Great Ghost in, in this and the way it's so set up, it is it's as you say, it's too perfect. Yeah. No, it couldn't have been it couldn't have been planned any better. No. No. And it's it's interesting what what you touched on with Mark Hamill there as well, because I this is I'm very much aware that this is probably me, but I'm certain I'm not the only person that thinks like this as well. But as I said, such such a debt, the the me that I am today owes to this show, that when you say Mark Hamill and then you you brought it back to Star Wars and it's only at that point that I go, oh yeah, it's Luke Skywalker because Mark Hamill is the Joker for me. Yeah. If somebody says Mark Hamill, I don't go to Luke Skywalker. I go to the Joker mm. instantly. That's that's the thing and I think it's, he's very lucky and Harrison Ford has the same thing that they play more than one iconic character. Yeah, like so, Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones to me, not yeah, Han no, Solo. No, that's it, that's <laughs> same to me. Um, but to a lot of people, he's Han Solo and yeah. he also played Indiana Jones. Um, and you'll always get that and I think that for actors that's a very fortunate position to be in where you have more than one iconic character in your back although to a point it's got to be to a, a slight detriment as well because you'll have people who don't let go of those characters and um, yeah. sort of 40 years later still clinging on to the fact you were Han Solo um, but you know you, to be in that position so it must be very flattering as, a, as an actor to say well I'm not only am I recognised for that but I'm trusted enough to do it again with something else and certainly Mark Hamill's case to be the complete fucking opposite. Yeah. I was no I was the golden haired prodigal son. Now I'm a fucking psychopath. Yeah. Um Hans Ole and Dan Jones were kind of similar. Yeah, yeah. They similar were, characters. They yeah. were um, they were lovable roles effectively. Um and that we did we did an episode of Who Wins with the two of them in it. And they were very difficult to separate. Whereas you put Luke Skywalker up against Mark Hamill and you might as well be you know, putting up you know, putting up two entirely different yeah, uh, yeah. different entities. Um, so yeah, it's, I mean, it it is quite um, coincidental because for for me the the when I was sort of when I was growing up, so certainly pre, now I mean, sort of pre now my pre ten and like, my my brother was massive into Star Wars, so everything was about Star Wars, so you know, it was always on. So Mark Hamill will always be Luke Skywalker for that reason. It's 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 sort of ingrained from when yeah. I was on four or five, but to you know, to then go back and if somebody says if somebody says Mark Hamill, I don't automatically think, oh, that's Luke Skywalker. Oh, that's Luke Skywalker and the Joker. It's yeah. kind of the kind of parallels, and depending what context they've been talked of, I will, I, I will relate to one or the other. Yeah. It's not necessary that Mark Hamill will always be Luke Skywalker. No, 
he, he will always be the Joker to me. And likewise, you know, if somebody says the Joker, I go to Mark Hamill. If I read, if I read a comic now, I hear Mark Hamill's voice. Yes. Yeah, that, that's the difference. If somebody, say, if somebody talks about the Joker, my head goes to Mark Hamill. Yeah, yeah. But that's if somebody says Mark Hamill, it doesn't necessarily always go to the Joker, it goes to Skywalker. But considering how many iterations have been like a lot for the next generation on from Mars, like you say the Joker, people think of Heath Ledger. Yeah, I mean, and I don't get. I mean, I didn't. I don't like get it. Forms. That's that's their Joker. So what? Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Um, he will never ever be the like, Joker. To me, he wasn't chaotic or malicious enough. No. Um, and it, it's 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 a different take. Yeah, I, it's a different I don't of the care for Nolan's uh, universe. I mean, at f- all. for my for my money, I've got to be honest. If anybody should have had a supporting actor Oscar for that film, it should have been Eckhart. I totally it agree. It was his movie entirely, yeah. but. Unfortunately, on Ledger was very. He was much more noticeable. It's a more iconic character, and he died. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's a great film. It really is. I I like it, but it's not Batman to me, and I yes. cannot treat it as such. This is Batman to me. Yeah, that's this, right. This is my Batman, and always will be. Mm. Um, but it, it's interesting as well the way you see things like um, like we're saying now that Mark Hamill's always the Joker. Likewise, Kevin Conroy is is Batman's yeah. voice to me. I mean, and I yet, and yet, Harley, the popular she is. I don't have that connection with Arlene Sorkin. For instance, when Tara Strong is voicing her in the game, it's Tara Strong doing an Arlene Sorkin impersonation. Yes. but it's as good as. Yeah, that that's the to thing. To be fair, that that's it. And I think, um, I think the spin that um, they put on it for Suicide Squad wasn't bad. I'm not. I think she did a very good job, actually. I, I was very worried about her impersonation and her accent. Yeah, especially from the, was, so the, the footage you had pre-release. I was, I saw, I saw that and I was, I was a bit dubious. I wasn't but again, sure she's been able to take that character and go somewhere slightly different. Yeah. She's certainly more in line with the more modern interpretation of Harley in the New 52 as it is now. She's been able to take that character and take it somewhere else, and it's not rubbed me up the wrong way in the yeah. same way that, say, Heath Ledger's Joker does. Yeah. Um, and this is a character that I, I mean, I, I love Harley. This is a character I, I love. I think she's fantastic. But it's not bothered me to that extent yeah. that somebody else doing the Joker does. Yeah. And when somebody else does the Joker, like in the, they've revoiced him a few times in the, um, in the Arkham games and things like that, I'm always judging them against Mark Hamill. Yeah, always. It's how how good a Mark Hamill impersonation are That's you going to do? I mean, uh, Arkham Origins, which was the unofficial one, wasn't it? The third, yeah. the third one they brought out. Um, that didn't have Mark Hamill in it. That had somebody playing Mark Hamill, and it, it was, was a, John DiMaggio, wasn't it? Was it John DiMaggio? I think so. Yeah, but it was fucking terrible. I'm not sure whether it was. When John DiMaggio has definitely voiced the Joker a few times in cartoons since as well, and he's actually pretty good. Yeah, but he's not Mark Hamill. I think for, oh, it, it, whether it was or wasn't him in the game, I can't remember, but. It was. It seemed like a poor Mark Hamill impersonation. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it's just as I said the, the way some of these characters are, they be, they become the the embodiment of the character. Mm. And I said, and the fact that they said they reunited them for the first two games, and then they they did uh, the Killing Joke. Yeah. And they got Conroy and Hamill back for that as well. And again, that's probably one of the better new ones they've done. Like, I know they did um, uh, Dark Knight Returns, didn't they? Which is awesome. Which is again, which is fantastic. But but it's not. It's not. Now. Although to be fair, Peter Weller is pretty good. It, again, it's a very different take. But I think because the Dark Knight Returns is, like I said earlier, so 
people tend to confuse that with this because they're both dark, but the Dark Knight Returns is a very different thing. It's very far removed. It's definitely a product of the 80s, and it's very, very wordy. Yes. Very, very wordy. It's almost overwritten. It, it's just on the precipice of being overwritten. Yeah, I'd say it's probably the wrong side of the, uh, wrong side of the peak. As yeah, well, so. and, and to take... I, I, like, I think Conroy delivering some of that dialogue would just sound hammy. And that's no disrespect to Kevin Conroy. Like I say, he is Batman to me, but his voice delivering that dialogue would sound hammy. Yeah. Whereas Peter Weller kind of underplays everything. He's very one note. He's very cold and clinical. And he just about gets away with it. Mm. Um, in the same way that like Affleck's Batman is definitely modelled after The Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. But if you gave Affleck that dialogue to deliver, Jesus Christ! <laughs> like, and and again, I'm I'm look, I'm on record. I'm a Ben Affleck fan. I love the guy, right? But Jesus Christ, you cannot imagine him even even taking a stab at that dialogue. No, that's right. Um, I mean, I always come back with Ben Affleck. I, I I'm the same. I, I, I like Affleck. You you go back to there's a scene in Chasing Amy where they're in the car, um, and he gives like the other guy in the rain. And it's so wordy, and mm. so, and you just hear him saying these words. And you think, fucking hell, slow down a bit. Yeah, yeah. But, and you just you get the same impression that you gave him that much dialogue, um, as Batman. Yeah. And your head would fall off. Oh yeah, completely. It, it would just be too much. Um. So yeah, I mean, but I mean, yeah, you're right. It's it's quite, it's quite interesting the way that sort of those those actors have become synonymous with those characters. Um. It's it's quite interesting, and the, the fact that they keep on going back to them. So when they did kill a joke. Um, they they brought back um, Conrad and Hamill, and when they've done the games, they brought them back. It's the fact that people are recognizing that they are probably the they're not the certainly with if you were doing live action films, you wouldn't uh, you you wouldn't associate those people with those characters. But if you if you were doing a, you were doing voice performances, you mm-hmm. were doing something, you were doing a radio show, or you were doing a, an animation or a game, you'd say fucking out. Those are the two I want because those are the two who. Are they, no, they are the characters. They, they are. I mean, if I mean, like, let's do an experiment. Like anybody, this is an audio format. If everybody was to just shut their eyes now yeah. and imagine Batman delivering it, let's go with "I am vengeance, I am the night, I am Batman." And just imagine that in your head. And there's only one person saying that. Yeah, and that's Kevin Conroy. That's right. That is it. That, that is. You don't hear anybody. You're not going to hear Adam West doing it. No. You're not going to hear Ben Affleck doing it. You're not going to hear Christian Bale doing it. You're going to hear Kevin Conroy. Yeah, that's right. And the same with the Joker. If I say shut your eyes and think of, think of the Joker's laugh, you're hearing Mark Hamill's laugh. Yeah, definitely. You're not hearing Cesar Romero's laugh. No. And you're not hearing Jack Nicholson's laugh. You're hearing Mark Hamill's yeah, laugh. Yeah, that's it. Guaranteed. Yeah, definitely. I, 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 for me, that's, that's, that kind of epitomizes the importance of, of the show, is that now, 20 plus years on, we're still, we're still associating with these people yeah and it's, it's great um, we'll move on a little bit just because there were a couple of um, couple, of, couple of other points that we've, we've yeah and on. I can talk Batman all fucking morning yeah. so um, one of the things I find interesting um, because of the, the length of the run of the first series there were 65 episodes they had 7 animation houses yeah it was, a lot of it was outsourced it was all outsourced yeah um, like Japan and China and places like that yeah um, they were all outsourced um, Spectrum Animation Dong Yang who did the second season um, Sunrise Studio Do- Dong Yang Dong Yang yeah I was going to skip over that sounds um, like a Chinese porn star they're a Korean outfit I think um, 
But all right, a Korean porn yeah. star. Either way, it um, sounds like a porn star. But yeah, um, so Dong Air Animation, who did the both the second series, um, Studio Juno, Blue Pencil, Acom, and TMS. Um, Acom were fired because their animation was so inconsistent. Um, it's it's cited two particular episodes, which I was going to go back to and uh, and check to see what they were on about. Um, but which yeah. two? Um, Cat Scratch Fever and Moon of the Wolf. Right. Um, but yeah, the, all it says is that, um, they were fired for inconsistent animation. So I'm wondering if there was a frame missed and things like that. Right. Um, but it brings me on to something I I found I always find fascinating. And in rewatching, I I I sort of I'd forgotten about and re- I remembered the level of detail, and some minor detail in some of the drawing. I mean, I watched um, a very early episode called Forgotten, mm-hmm. um, and there's a shot in there where the car pulls up and you you you. The car pulls across the whole frame, but you see the top, the, the bottom of the door, so that when Bruce gets out of the car, you see his feet and you see him walk away. They've even drawn the fucking lever on the on the car seat for where you would you adjust the hyper seat. It's that sort of. It's either that or somebody's drawn a very small cock. I can't quite tell, yeah. but it's that level of detail. And you think, um, you think, even like the Simpsons and that, they don't go to that level of detail. They might now. I haven't seen the episode of the Simpsons for years, but they in, in building their yeah. world, you didn't know. Um, that is meticulous. That's an unnecessary yeah. detail. If you didn't have that layer, nobody would notice it was missing. Yeah. But if you go back and watch the episodes, there's a shot where the, the car, the, the cream car, rolls across the screen and stops dead on the door. He opens the door, and as he gets out, you've got this fucking lever on the side of the seat. But it's that kind of thing that gives it gravitas, I think, and it's probably that level of detail and and the nuance in the writing and all of that that when I, when I first watched it, I was like... Oh, this yeah it's not bad yeah this isn't bad because i would i was probably looking for what we've had since with, with the brave and the bold at yeah. that age yeah you know i mean which again i love brave and the bold too but it certainly ain't this yeah that's right you know and but then when you I, I mean, we're only talking a year later but coming back to it then and it just clicked yeah and apologies to anybody yeah i've just clicked my fingers sorry i have a bad habit of doing that on this yeah podcast. that's the third time you've done this one yeah um and, and it just clicked and it it will just draw you in and it's, it gives it gravitas. Yeah. Is what it, that they are taking this seriously. Yeah. You know? That's it. And I, I mean, and you, like you look at, so we've talked about it on, um, on Who Wins, that certainly animations running up to, well, certainly all through the 60s and 70s, but into the 80s and 90s, things like repeated frames and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. They haven't done that. They've drawn their backgrounds and they've, they've animated it properly. And it, it shows. You, you don't have that sort of distraction of, no, he's chasing somebody, but you know, the same building pops past every couple of seconds. Yeah, yeah. You don't have that. It's They've gone, yeah, if we're going to do it, let's spend the time and do it right. Which is why so they outsourced to seven different production houses, because they, they needed that level of detail to go into every every single frame. Mm. And it's done, as I say, it's so meticulous and so perfect. I mean, the animation in general, and outsourced as it may be, is fantastic. It is feature quality animation. This little, again, it, it's nuances, but and this was really the first time I'd seen it done. But things like moving the eyes in the cowl. Yeah. Like the eyes would expand and contract in the cowl and things yeah. like that. So Batman could emote through yeah. the cowl. Just those little animation touches. Like if he's frowning, the eyes will narrow in yeah. the cowl. And that's, just those that's little it. touches. Uh, you started to see it in The Simpsons, I think. Like if you think of The Simpsons, the, the, so the Tracy Elmer ones, they were very crude. Yeah. Um, then when, they got, when it got picked up by Fox. Yeah, Fox. Um, the animation improved because the budget was there they could spend more money and spend a bit more time where else. and the animation has impro- improved to a standard where if you see an episode of The Simpsons now the colour is probably a bit more vivid a bit brighter because of advances in technology mm-hmm. but the animation style hasn't changed since the mid 90s no. 
and but they had to adapt and evolve. Whereas this was from day one. This was this is what it is, and it's so it's feature quality. Yeah, um, absolutely. To to the point where when you watch those, there's been three or four, I think, feature length. Well, they were released like straight to DVD, and I think Mask of the Phantasm even did yeah. get a cinema. Yes, it did release at one point. But they feel like animated features, and yeah. they're no different. There's no step up in quality into those. No. They are just long episodes, but they feel like animated films. They yeah. just tag different credits on the start and the end, but they feel they feel like anything you could see not today because everything's CG, but anything you yeah. see at the time put out by Disney or Sony yeah. or or any other uh, animation. But I've got to be honest. If you were to try CG this, um, I don't think it would work. I don't think it because of the feel of it because everything was. Everything's very dark, but things are quite grainy, yeah, yeah. quite gritty. If you try and CG it, everything's going to be too clean. Too clean, yeah. And it's the biggest complaint... That's not the biggest complaint. It's one of the biggest complaints I had with the Star Wars prequels. Everything was very shiny and very... you know, like All the spaceships were very... They were all kind of polymorphed. And yeah, they, yeah. They just, we made it on a computer, so we, have, we, we haven't got to dirty it up. Whereas in the originals, we had models, mm-hmm. so they could get scuffed and scratched and dirty and shit like that. And it added to the character of the, of the ship you were flying. Whereas you've got... In certainly Phantom Menace, you've got something that's shaped like a jet plane and it's shiny silver. Yeah. And you haven't got any detail on it because it's just all reflecting back at you. Yeah. And it kind of cheapens it. And I think if you if you try to CG this, it must just, like we talked about Inspector Gadget last time out. The CG on that's not too bad. No. Because the world allows it to work, and the fact that you've got a character who's got a helicopter in his hat and he's got extendable arms and stuff, you don't necessarily mind that his world looks a bit off. Yeah. But if you're trying to if you're trying to re- recreate a very dark, very gritty, very grim, very noir animation, and you tried to do that with CG, your lines would be too good, and yeah, you, your colors would be too yeah, vivid. Yeah, you wouldn't have too great for the graduation. I think that's the difference between good CG and bad CG as well, though, because when you look at something like um, like Disney or Pixar, when they now use mm. CG computer animation, they have people that come in specifically to dirty shit up. Yes, that is their job. They go in and look for anything that looks too perfect. Yeah. And they scuff it up. And they scuff it up. But that is tension to detail. Yeah. Whereas on TV, you're not going to get that. There is a kind of CG Batman cartoon now. I forget what it's called. But there is one kicking around. I haven't watched it. I haven't really watched any new Batman cartoons since Brave and the Bold. Um, yeah, because they've done a lot of the the sort of the, the straight to video releases now, um, mm-hmm. and the, the animation on is those. Is it Beware the Batman? Is that the one that's CG? Oh, God, I'm not sure. Um, but they did um, Son of Batman, and they, they, that sort of they, they did Batman and Robin. Yeah. Batman, and they, they did a, a couple of ones, and they're again they're different style. They're more in that sort of Superman style, but again they're still very dark, very gritty. But even they didn't go down the route. I don't think of trying to CG things because it, I think even. They were aware trying to do, you know, if they were trying to do that and trying to modernize it too much, it just wouldn't have the same feel. Right. Um, I can't remember what they were called them. So I think there's three or four of them, and they 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 t- they, they kind of tie in time wise where there was the Aquaman one and the Justice League, the um, Justice League Origin one where you had um, uh, Dark Side. Yeah. And so they all kind of came at the same time. They had that sort of very sort of similar sort of feel and very similar look. Um, but I've, I've, I've not seen I've not seen the CGI Batman one it's not said there isn't one I've just not seen one there, there definitely is one I've not watched it either um, again I, Brave and the Bold is something entirely different so yeah. I can happily sit down and watch it but I don't ever need to watch another Batman cartoon because it's not going to be this no, so I don't even bother that's it and this, this was that's it this was three shows kind of yeah, together, mushed together. Yeah, um, but then you had the Justice League spin-offs, and you've, you know you've got um, I say, you've got various things that came after it. Um, and you think, well, 
okay, they're, they're, they're alright, but the, the character is the character's done. No, they, they've done everything they need to do with that character. Mm-hmm. Anything, they, anything to do in a future show or in a film, I've kind of already been there, I've already seen it. Yeah. So I'll watch it because it's Batman. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah, but, totally. But it's not going to be this. Yeah. This And that sounds like a horrible thing to say because I could be missing out on something fantastic. But I just don't think anything can come close to the level of this. I, I don't see how you can top this. No. I mean, even so some of the the extent of the things that they didn't do with this with the show. I mean, there's a a section in um in Wikipedia in the episode guide. It talks about episodes that were never made, mm-hmm. and there were, there was one that stood out, or two that stood out. One um was I want to say Alan Burnett, who was one of the producers. Mm-hmm. Alan Burnett, yeah. He um he wrote an episode uh, in which Batman was bitten by a female vampire. Right. Um. Never got produced. Um. There's no talk about the story other than the fact that Batman was bitten by a female vampire. Um, That's interesting because then Batman's going to have to kill people in order to survive. Yeah. So that's so that that's ne- interesting. That never materialised. And there was one, and this one apparently was written but never made. And I'll let you guess why. Okay. Okay. The episode does it called... involve rape? No. Well, not that I'm aware of. Okay, um, does it involve? Sorry, I'm guessing. You don't. You might... <laughs> well, let me let me give you okay. let me give you the the, uh, the 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 basics first, and then you can guess why it was never made. Okay, it was called Silent Night. It was a dialogue-free episode, which explored the sexual life of Batman. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> um, so why it was never made? I'd imagine. Are you sure it doesn't involve rape? Well, that's why I said I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but yeah. And that was Alan Burnett. That was one of the, the producers or executive producers of the show. Wrote that episode and wow. took it to uh, to um, Warner Brothers to make it. So this is basically about Batman fucking banging Catwoman. Pretty much, yeah. Every night, basically, at the end of doing his his kind of nightly yeah. vigil, just but, hooking up with Catwoman. But with the added benefit of not writing a dialogue. What I, I really want to see this. <laughs> it probably I'd, says something about me, but I, I'd be really interested. I'm really up for the Batman fucks Catwoman all night episode. <laughs> like that definitely wasn't a kids show. No, definitely not. But just so imagine Team America, but put no, cows on. But like in, in in all seriousness, I would like, yeah. There's there's obviously gags to be happy, but just imagine, and and it's it's silent as well, so. Just Im- just imagine him coming in through the window and, and the ritual of taking off the cowl and taking off the suit and exposing his battered and bruised body and being actually really vulnerable mm. and I then mean, having to share something with someone else, which is so against what we see. of the Like, we know it's a thing and it has been done before. We have seen Batman and Catwoman having a tumble before, but to... To get into that level of intimacy with them, there's something special there. There's, there's something there. I mean, I think. I mean, I, I, I sort of, I jest a bit, and I've sort of probably cheapened it a little bit. But oh no, I, I mean, I brought rape up straight away. So I mean, come on, that's yeah, that, fair enough. That it, says it, more it, about you than it me. lends itself. To, um, does he keep the cowl on? That's well, that's it. Does no? Does he? Uh, does he take his boots off or his utility belt off? Um, well, I think the belt's got to come off because the suit's got to come. Well, because he hasn't got a fly, is he? There was never one animated. We never see but... him taking like a bat piss, do we? So no. he's got presumably the belt's got to come off, right? So I guess he can't take the unless the suit comes down. Yeah, he'd but have it, to take the cowl well, off. Fucking to take the suit come wrong, that's off. not going to happen. The cowl's going to have to come off. I mean, the cape's going to come off definitely. Yeah, I mean, I kind of th- when I, was, I saw it first. I mean, 
Obviously, they, they missed a pun with the title straight away because it's Silent Night with an N, not with a K. Ah, oh. easy pickings. Come on. Yeah. Um, I gotta love a good pun. But I was very when I saw saw that until I read the to the end of the sentence as to what it was actually about. The whole idea of having a silent episode. If you think back to the Buffy episode, uh, Hush, mm-hmm. which was, I think, dialogue free for about twenty eight out of thirty eight minutes. That's probably one of the best episodes they did. Yeah. Because it was all about the, the performance, all about the portrayal. I'd love to see how they do that with the cartoon. Yeah. And to, 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 so the scope of that, how they could do that, I think would be really interesting. The whole exploration of his sexual life, not quite so sure about. That's the bit that interests me, not the silent thing, because there are silent cartoons and, you know, especially early shorts. They, yeah, they but just shorts, not 25 music. minutes. No, but... Sight, I think animation lends itself quite well to be in sound life because, like you say, with, with Buffy, it's all due to the performance. But with animation, animation is a performance. Hmm. Uh, animators are actors just as much as voice actors are. So they're, they're able to do that. I'm more interested in in what that says about the character. Like what, yeah. the, fact, the very fact that he has a sex life. Yeah. When we're talking about this character that devotes all day to being a kind of philanthropist, multi-billionaire businessman running the company and all night to just prowling in the streets and beating the shit out of thugs. Like, he has very little downtime. Mm. So to then build a sex life on top of that, I don't know, I, I just find that interesting. Like, we know, as I say, we know there's a thing there with Catwoman and it, it, it has been explored slightly before, but I don't think I've ever seen... Like, the way I see it is it... <laughs> this, again, this probably says more about me, but I almost go like the 90s indie flick group with it where it's black and white and it's all set in one room and it's just the two of them for 25 minutes mm. during which I mean I don't know I guess you figure Batman is probably quite a selfish lover I guess so maybe five minutes of that is but then I don't know Bruce Wayne might be a little bit more but this is Batman we're talking about not Bruce Wayne yeah it? exactly but see there again that's sort of like who is he in the sack is he Bruce Wayne or is he Batman well that's it so, I mean, it's, it's, and if he's with Catwoman is she taking command or is she just like I mean we're assuming it's Catwoman it doesn't specifically it's say got, that, it's got, if you're making this episode it's got to be Catwoman yeah I mean I, in, Vicky Vale's fucking boring it's got yeah. to be Catwoman yeah I mean, I mean the killing joke in the uh, the anime version they, they put oh it, don't even was, go yeah, there that was, that was a don't terrible don't even decision. go I mean, there having read that Book so many fucking times. That, yeah, but but not even that's fucking creepy. Yeah, that's like that's like daddy daughter shit. That yeah. is. There was no need for it. I don't see what it added. I don't think it was particularly relevant. It didn't add anything to either character, um, and it just kind of kind of jarred. I gotta be honest. Yeah, it's just fucking um, creepy. I don't. So yeah, yeah, I'm not a fan of that at all. I don't understand why it was done. I don't understand the thought process. No, I don't it. either. Because I mean, it, that was done. Well, I, mean, I do understand the thought process behind it. The thought process is is it's poor writing, but it's somebody going, okay, I don't feel because because Babs is Jim's daughter. I don't feel there's enough gravitas for Batman here to be affected by this decision. But what they've missed there is that he is a surrogate father to Batgirl anyway. Yeah, yeah I mean, and he's Batman. So. And, and like the way they did it, it was so fucking ham-fisted. You had. You had the scene on the roof where they get on, and then there's a very awkward scene the following day, I think it is, where they kind of, I don't want to talk about it, it never happened. Okay. And that's it. So what did it actually add? It, it's just icky. Yeah. It, it, it's, it, it, it's icky to me. And I mean, don't get me wrong, the, the internet community does tend to get its niggas in a bunch quite easily. But oh, no, that, they were right this time. That one, I think they were probably right. Yeah, they were right. Um. Yeah. So, but yeah, so I mean, 
that episode, I mean, as I was quite glib with it when, when it introduced it, but there are elements to the character you could explore, but I think for the show they for were a kid's doing, show, I don't absolutely think absolutely not. But I want to fucking see this. Somebody needs to do this now. So yeah, so I mean, it was, so th- there were some wilder ideas which didn't get done. and I thought, So those are the two that sort of pop up on Tinderweb because obviously Alan Burnett's been quite vocal about yeah. what he wanted to do with the show and something he didn't get to do. Um, I, I dare say there were other things that ended up on the uh, on the on the, the cutting room floor and other things that were suggested and never even talked about again. Um, but so they're the, the two prominent ones. Do you think he keeps condoms in the utility belt? What else are you keeping at? I mean, is that a thing? Is it like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm gonna go and see Selena tonight, so pack some condom. Either that, because you know she's been around, so he needs to be careful. Like yeah, that true. man got AIDS, it's yeah. game over. Although you probably end up fucking curing it, but yeah, still. Yeah, you'd think you probably would, wouldn't you? I mean, certainly the way it was animated, it was all in sections, wasn't it? So you could, you know, yeah, yeah. instead of keeping like smoke pallets in one, just keep a couple of Johnnies. Yeah, or like I don't know, maybe if it, maybe if he's going to Selena's apartment, maybe there's just a drawer full of Johnnies there, ready to go. Maybe. Or like bat sized. So, I don't know. They're probably better if they're Batman sized. Well, yeah, all right, yeah, but you know what I mean. Yeah, fitting over a bat cock probably isn't going to do him any good. Do bats have penises? Bat mouths, yeah. Hmm. Are they like duck penises? Probably. Okay, wildly off topic. Um, let's not go. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's not, not go down this rabbit Let's not start talking about cocks. Um, yeah, so I mean, it was. Um, I said the, the way they sort of the, the thought process they had. They, they were aware they were making a very mature themed, very adult oriented show, even though it was marketed as a kids show. Uh, and one of the things it was uh, praised. I said there's been a lot of praise of the show um, in terms of some of the things it handled, but the fact that. It did deal with some mature themes. It did deal. It did show for the first time. So you had your protagonists getting into fistfights and actually starting fistfights where they were attacking your antagonists. Yeah. Um. I can't remember which episode it is. There's um. One of the episodes I watched yesterday. Um. Very early in the first season, but somebody's got a bazooka, and they're about they they're looking to fire out on the police, and Batman creeps up behind them, grabs them, and knocks them out. They haven't yeah. done anything to Batman. They haven't attacked Batman. Batman attacks them. Yeah. And it's again. You didn't see a lot of that. It was always very reactive before that because I don't think certainly ch- children with with sort of the, th- the things they're showing they aren't treated with the respect to understand that sometimes there are greater good issues. Yeah. That if he hadn't attacked those people, then they would have been they would have shooting a rocket. Yeah. They'd have been shooting a rocket launcher at the police. Yeah. So you know there are sometimes there's, there's just cause and things like that, and I think it's one of the first shows because sort of tr- it was marketed and named the kids. It actually treated kids like a proper audience. Yeah, because definitely. because in in real life, if you in real life, um, if you had a situation where some where somebody is pointing a rocket launcher at somebody and you're you're behind them, you have the opportunity to stop them. You do grab them. Yeah. Well, no, in theory, if you're in that position, if you're Batman, you, you do. But if if you're in if you're in that position where you are close enough to somebody with a rocket launcher where you can stop them killing innocent people, then you would do it as a, yeah. as a you'd think as as a decent human being, you would do it. You might think twice about it. You might think, oh fuck, I'm gonna get blown up myself. But you would at least try and do something because. It's the protection of life. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's interesting because they actually went down that route and said they were praised for it. And that's why I've been criticised that it wasn't really suitable for kids. I love what they showed and some of the themes they showed. Um, but, yeah, it was, well, it was, that was one of the major praises of it. The other major praise I've seen is that in pretty much every poll that's ever been run, it's ranked as the second best animation of all time. What's number one? Simpsons. Um, just in terms different, di- diff- yeah. a different type, but just in terms of longevity, yeah, and yeah, yeah. because they've dealt with a lot of social issues and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, some have argued that it's 
more culturally significant. Some have argued it's it's a more complete animation. It's a better oh, it's a better pr- uh, product. But I I would argue all day and night that it's better than The Simpsons. I don't think anybody could properly argue that it's more culturally relevant. No, than the I don't think there is a TV show, let alone an animation, that's no. more culturally relevant. That, than that's the that's it, and I th- I think that the what it has over The Simpsons in terms of let's say it's 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 continuity. It was it's, it was always animated better. It was always yeah. It always knew what it was. Whereas The Simpsons kind of meanders and wanders because it, it covers such a broad base. Yeah, what it has over The Simpsons is Batman. Well, yeah, true. Batman is not in The Simpsons. Ergo, no. this is better. Well, there you go. Um, that's pretty much my argument to anything as well. Yeah, that's true. Like, I mean, it, it is a is a Batman. valid point. I mean, Batman always wins the argument. <laughs> <laughs> is Batman in it? No, it's not good then. Yeah, um, but yeah. So I mean, it, it's 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 while it's widely recognised as being, I say. It, it's regarded as being the second best animation of all time. It's argued it's one of the best TV shows of all time. Yeah, I would um, I would go down that route easily I mean, as well. Talking about, as I said, talking about some of the themes it has, the, the production quality, the continuity, what it did in terms of the fact it took it took a wider universe and it, so it, it expanded it, it added to the canon, and it, it probably breathed new life into it. I mean, it... Certainly did. I mean, you I had... Think. Yes, you had the cut of the comics and you had Adam West Batman. We're on the, when this would have been first moved in, you, you would have just had Burton's Batman... And Batman Returns by the time it first aired, but I think had you then gone down the route of saying right, well we still got the comic books and we've got also the the stuff that's coming out, but then the last real screen legacy of Batman is Batman and Robin, that's your franchise dead right there. Yeah. And the fact that so many people distance themselves from that side of Batman and said no, this is Batman, that's just some fucking colourful abortion. Yeah. I think that really helped it, and I thought brought it along, and then to bring it up right up to date, the to to go back to these to the. The writers, the cast, the cast you had to do to redo the games to to the killing joke and stuff like that. Um, I think that sort of speaks volumes, and the fact that in I think it's I can't remember if it's Arkham Asylum or Arkham City that one of the skins you can get. It might even be Arkham both. City, definitely. As I I play as it, it might be both. You can play <laughs> yeah. as animated Batman, and yeah. I frequently do, and it looks really out of place because obviously everything else is very dark yeah, and yeah. very very textured, and then you've got Batman as uh, as as the cartoon version. So it does look a bit out of place, but yeah, it's dumb. It it's the joy of that skin and that voice. Yeah, and then you just are Batman. At that's that it. And, and you, the, there are other skins that you can get the Adam West Batman, but it doesn't really work the same because you've got the wrong voice and the cape yeah. too short and stuff like that. So yeah, now if Adam West had voiced and lent voice talent, just a few lines even that you could have that skin. Yeah, and that would be the best thing. Or if it can of Grey Ghost, I think that would be quite funny. Yeah, that would have been good. That's a missed opportunity. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, as I said, we, we, we told you this would uh, go on a bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, it's probably still one of my favourite shows. Um, it's, I mean, it's very different to a lot of um, my other favourite shows. The fact is that it's an animated show really sort of makes it stand out. But you look at the writing, you look at the characterization, it's probably the best example of a short form show that really captures what it was intended to do. Um, so yeah, for me, I think it's still you know, 20... 25 years mm. um, 25 years on it's still very much worth a watch there are probably two TV shows that I could argue form the basis of of really my my cultural circle and how I conduct myself and and how I I mean I very much relate to film and TV and I relate my life experiences through them uh, and this is one of them and the other one being Buffy yeah um, but this will always be a very important part of my life, not just a show. This is, this to me 
was massive at the time and mm. continued to be massive since and has, has led to just, like I say, a, a lifelong obsession with Batman. I love the character. I love the performances. I love the entire supporting cast of characters as well. And it all comes from here. It all stems from this show. And going back and watching it now, as I frequently do, I have the box sets and it's not like, like for instance, with Buffy, I'll need to be in the mood to sit down and marathon them. Yeah. I'll pop a disc in and watch an episode of this if I've got 25 minutes spare, just for the sake of watching some Batman. If I flick around and it's on, or you know, I catch five minutes of it on YouTube or whatever, I'll stop and watch it. Whenever I see anything to do with Batman now, I use this as the yardstick. Is it as good as the animated series? How does it relate to the animated series? Yeah. So, I mean, this, to me, it's as good now as it ever was. Yeah, and I think that because of because it was animated in a very particular style, in a very particular way, I, th- I don't think it's dated that badly. Like, you look at early Simpsons, you look at other cartoons from about around that time, mm-hmm. and there they're are very definite markers that say... I was made in the early 90s, I was made in the late 80s. Um, because it existed in its own world, it didn't have a lot of the cultural stuff to deal with, so the stuff The Simpsons would have dealt with on a social level isn't there. And I think because of that, I think it ages a lot better than most cartoons um, because it doesn't try to, it doesn't try to sort of exist within our world, effectively. It is its own self thing. Yeah. And I think that you know, you've got, you know, you, there are themes that always there. You have issues with corruption, you have issues with Personal with personalities and you have issues with like with mental illness. They are things that was always going to resonate with somebody, but you're not trying to shoehorn it into well. At the time, this was going on, so we had no. You not so, no. It came out at the time of AIDS, therefore we're going to try and make it, have this big metaphor about this illness that kills everybody. They didn't do that. They just said, look, this is where we are, and there are themes that are universal and will we'll run and run and run, and there are things that will suddenly will die off, and other things that things that will calm down. We don't need to worry about those, and I think that's probably. A big factor in his longevity. Yeah, I would agree. Cool. All right, so yeah, we um we did say this would go on for a bit. Um, apologies if your coffee went cold. Um, but yeah, so if you'd like to have a chat with us, by all means, go to our website. That's ddpodcast.net and uh, drop us an email. Get in touch on Twitter. Let or us know what you would have liked to have seen in the <laughs> Batman sex episode because this has captured my imagination. So by all means, reach out. I'm willing to discuss this. Absolutely. Um, so, but yeah, so do so on, on, uh, on, on go through our website, ddpodcast.net. Um, you can contact us through there on email or via Twitter or via, or via Facebook. Um, and if you want to play along at home, um, a list of our upcoming episodes are on there. So if you want to uh, watch along and then uh, send us any comments or any questions for the next episode, by all means, please do. And if you do, we will read out some of the correspondence that we receive and, and react to it. Yes, so. as, as long as it's good. If it's crap or abusive, we probably will. Uh, yeah, we will. Fuck it. I'm up for it. <laughs> yeah, why not? So yeah, um, that's Batman, everybody. Until next time. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. Batman.